1: When your money's on the line, choose a trusted sportsbook that gives you tools to win like my bookie. And my bookie doesn't matter if your team's up or down, you can easily cash out or bet the game live to come out on the winning side. Use my bookie for daily odds boost, same game parlays, I like teasers, and take advantage of the huge prize pool contest. Plus, my bookie currently has a no strings attached cash bonus that lets you deposit, withdraw Quick. Carries a one-time rollover. Can't find that anywhere else. Just use promo code 49ers, 49ERS, or scan the QR code on this video right next to my face here to claim your own cash deposit bonus now. That's promo code 49ers. So try my money uh, money bag. Uh, you basically roll the dice, and it picks a team. and gives you extraordinary extraordinary odds on who's going to win the Super Bowl. Um, Lots of fun options there, so bet anything, anytime, anywhere, and I do mean anywhere, wherever you are, you can bet with my bookie. Just make sure you use the promo code 49ERS, and let's go. Let's make some money together.
2: What is up, Niner faithful? I am here with the illustrious, the scholars and gentlemen, John Chapman and Wayne Breezy. We are going to talk about all things Niners. We're going to look back a little bit on the Ravens game, Christmas Day, uh, the present that none of us wanted Santa to drop off. But it was there, so we got to deal with it. We got some coal in our stocking, we're going to talk about some things. Look forward to uh, what is happening on the injury front, maybe what needs to happen with Washington. There was some big news that came out of Washington yesterday, so we're going to see how that affects things, but we're going to dive into it. You are watching Johnny Dell's Football Academy. Well, let me first say, John and Wayne, thank you so much for joining us. Wayne, how was your Christmas?
3: Christmas was overall good. And then Santa got really drunk and uh, didn't decide to drop off the last Christmas present for the 49er faithful because the 49ers, even though they were at home, they kind of got obliterated. I made up my own word there. They they got blasted. Um, But, you know, watching the film, I felt good. I don't know why. Like, you know what I mean? I knew I do know why. But but after going back watching the film, watching the game again, I was like, okay, because the game got messed up real quick at a certain time, but Christmas overall was great. My friends are great, my family is beautiful, everything is just great. It's good to be here too.
2: john you were at the game so uh tell us what was it like there at the game
1: on christmas it was expensive johnny uh it was awesome but uh you know usually always wait to buy my tickets last minute and that's worked well like 40 times there's two times it hasn't worked was the las vegas new year's game and this one where prices kind of shot up at the end but we had a good time the game was frustrating but it was such a cool experience uh, Monday night football, Christmas. I don't know how many times that opportunity is going to be presented. It didn't go well, but still, everything that the 49ers want is right in front of them. And I gotta say, man, I am pumped. Shout out to my man Johnny for putting this together. Wayne, John, and Johnny. I'm very, very happy. I feel like it's like ai don't know, Here's like a nineteen ninety trio of bad <laughs> characters coming together. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm it's, just like this. Is like
3: Revenge the- of the Nerds four.
1: Oh, there we go. Now we're talking Delta Delta or Lambda, Lambda, Lambda. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's
2: amazing. I love it. Um, You know, Wayne, I I love what you said. You watch the film and you feel a lot better. I I did the same thing. I watched the film. And and so I did a show right before the game. I think it was last uh, Friday. And I had had watched over three games of the Ravens tape. And I was watching their defense because I was like, what is making their defense so good? One thing, a few things I said on that show was, that one, if there was an argument for any other team having the best linebacker duo in the NFL, it was the Ravens. You know, we always say that Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw are arguably the best linebacker tandem. And really, the argument is not very wide. It's because uh, you go, OK, who who are we arguing here that, is, that could maybe be in that conversation? And to me, it was the Ravens and that popped on film that Queen and Roquan Smith were really good linebackers and they play really well. They play that scheme really well. The other thing was I got a lot of questions. People said, you know, their, their defensive line, you see a lot of sacks. Is that the strength of their defense? And I said, their strength of their defense is that they don't really have a weakness. Is that when you looked at their team from top to bottom, especially on film, they played so sound in the, in the defensive backs, the linebackers, the, defensive line all together. They were playing their scheme really, really sound. And I, and yes, their defensive line was good, but I didn't see it as like this overwhelming force. It was when you mix that with really good linebackers, with a really good back end, you have a really good defense. That being said, I also was showing some clips that I thought uh, if we had them in base defense, that we could hit them over the middle on some passes. And that's exactly what happened. We hit several early chunk plays to uh, to George Kittle in against their base defense and i said we were gonna have some openings in the run game and it was going to be around the b gap and because that's where the where the rams were able to run and we hit some big runs right in that area you know the, the things were going well it was the turnovers that just absolutely killed us and one thing that stuck out to me was how quickly that game flipped and got out of hand you know when you when you're watching just the offensive tape it was like here you come out of halftime four plays And on that fifth play, they were down by three scores, you know, by the fifth offensive play out out of halftime, they were down three scores. And, and, and the game was just out of hand at that point. So, um, John, you know, I know you, you dive through the film all a lot with on this. How did you feel coming out of, out of it and watching the film?
1: You you know, I felt like they saw something like you said, that was very clear advantage. They wanted to get them in base personnel and then go to an empty set offensively. That was like shed of hands, what he wanted. Um, and it worked. And you move the ball very, very well. The problem was, that's also where almost all the turnovers came from. Three of the interceptions came with no running back, you know, back there to pair with Brock Purdy. He split out wide. Even though Christian McCaffrey played every single snap of the game, which I think was another mistake. Not that CMC being out there is a mistake, but Kyle didn't want to use him in the running game near as much. And I think that that came back to get them. I really felt like the linebacker tandem of the Ravens paired with, Amazing safety play from Kyle Hamilton. That was kind of the difference maker. Uh, he had, you know, the Toledo Hufunga game, and we didn't have our Hufunga. Instead, we had Jair Brown, which I thought had his worst game so far as a pro. And so we couldn't do that kind of triangle defense to leverage against some of those players. And I think that cost us. Um, but the schemes and all those things were fine. You outgained him by almost 100 yards. You moved the ball fine. Um, and that's without the penalties too. they moved the ball five you know first downs of theirs came for penalties. so schematically, player wise, all those things were fine. Kyle kind of outsmarted himself so the turnovers put us in a huge deficit. special teams didn't help and at the end of it whenever you're playing he gets a good quality team. I would argue probably the best team in the NFL after seeing what we saw 49ers just came up a little shy.
2: yeah Wayne, how did you feel about how we uh how we played Lamar Jackson?
3: i mean i i thought overall they played him well i mean 255 yards 45 yards on the ground i mean that's that's textbook he's that's a standard quarterback stat <laughs> right uh two touchdowns for him that's standard quarter that's 49ers quarterbacking right there right that's what lamar jackson did he, he was a 49ers quarterback i think it's more when those explosive plays happen he only had one on the ground and it was the one that actually gave them probably you can it it gave them points obviously they got a field goal at the end of the half and it also gave them some juju uh saying hey we could do some things coming out of this halftime and I thought the Ravens and and Lamar made the better adjustments and I felt like the Niners just didn't adjust and and they came out of the half a little uh just a little off kilter they couldn't find a rhythm and all night they were trying to figure out a rhythm, and I just felt like the game plan was something totally different than what you know we're used to watching and what we're used to looking at on film. And, and, and when you go back and watch the film, the reason why I said I wasn't super worried is because the Niners could have literally scored at will if they wanted to, and they chose not to because they were just doing something totally different. I mean, even on the interceptions. Let's go back to that, that second interception. I know we're going to talk about the first one, but the second one, that was just a bang-bang play made by Stevens because he knew, that, first of all, they were blitzing. I I don't know if people realize that there was a double. It was like a two-cornerback blitz. You had a blitz from Stevens on one side. You had the blitz from Marlon Humphrey on the other side. That's why Marlon Humphrey was even in position to get the pass. So it's like almost that's that empty set John is talking about. And so, like, it it if if the throw is made to Debo, it's literally a touchdown. He's 30 yards from the end zone with one guy to mm-hmm. beat, and I think the one guy was uh a uh, Williams, he probably would have ran Williams over into the ground, and you're looking at a touchdown. So, like these plays were there to work. They just I don't want to say they were poor executed, but I mean you gotta tip the hat to Stevens on the Ravens defense for just knowing the play. And that second interception to me was the game changer because it's like, dang, they're taking away our strength, getting Debo into space. And I think because they kept trying to do that and they didn't go with that 21 person, which they ran a lot. They didn't kind of like take advantage of the 21 personnel. I just felt like we didn't run the ball enough. And and unfortunately, we ended up on the, the wrong side of the sticks.
2: Yeah, and, and that was an RPO sort of play. You know, we, we was, you could see Brendel was out there run blocking um, on that play. And so they had a handoff. He pulls it down because he's seeing the blitz and Bur- Purdy was, you know, you could see it out of the corner of his eye and he, he turns to throw and it gets batted up. And I put out a tweet last week. I said, I, cause I was watching the Baltimore film and I was watching the Jacksonville game. And I said, I felt like, I, I think I put on Twitter, I, I said, this feels like a game where Debo's going to have five or six screen passes. I mean, it's just watching the tape from Baltimore. You saw those plays were there. I, I saw three big screen pa- passes that were there for Jacksonville and a guy like slipped. And I kept and I kept saying um, I put it on my channel and I was I was w- putting the film on for everybody. I said, just imagine Debo in this spot, you know, so it was something that, like I said, it was there. You know, they saw it was there. They wanted to get it. And you have a, a guy and, and, you know, as Kyle Shanahan said, made a heck of a play. Um, and, and that sometimes it happens. And. Uh, And I do believe that was like the gut punch. I want to go back to the first interception though, because there was, there's some things that I saw in this game and I want to talk about it a little bit that sometimes you see with Kyle Shanahan and I want to get your guys' reaction. to this, So I I have it here. I'm going to pull it up and I'm going to, we're going to walk through this, uh, Sorry, I totally forgot to uh pull up the the actual we're seeing how the magic um, is made right there, now, John. Oh, yeah, is, you're you're is, seeing uh, how, how it's made. This I got pay-per-view go right Bullter here. here. This is uh I named it Purdy Pick, so I gotta find it real quick. Which uh, one? There, Purdy pick or, what? One? Purdy pick. There it is. Yep. <laughs> this this was the the first Purdy pick versus Baltimore. So this this is something that we see from Kyle Shanahan. and 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 I've heard some criticism from different quarterbacks over the years about how Kyle Shanahan designs his offense, and they, they go, you know, sometimes this, this, I don't fully understand what they're trying to do here, and I think it's always because they're looking at things through the lens of a quarterback, not a play designer. And Kyle Shanahan sometimes will get into this thing where he designs something so specifically for how a specific defense plays their their a certain coverage that he believes he's going to get and so it's very reliant upon you have to have the exact look that you're going for and he's very and he's very confident that he's going to get that look and when he gets it it's amazing guys are wide open. Everyone's calling him the genius. Everyone's saying this is why Shanahan is the way he is. When it doesn't work, you can get plays like this. And so what we have here is this was the very first uh, pick from Brock Purdy. And you're going to have Debo running kind of a through route. This is a, a variation on a double post. Okay. So you got Um, Debo running a through route slash kind of post. It's either a lazy post, which is sometimes what you see on film from Debo, or it's a through route, hard to tell hundred percent. And then you have Ayuk running kind of what's called a widened hammer or a widened post route. So he's going to widen a little bit and then he's going to hit a post. Okay. Let's go run a little bit deeper. So we'll see what they're expecting here is they're expecting cover three. So I'm going to switch this to blue. So they're expecting deep thirds here. Okay, from from Baltimore. And so what they're going to do with Kittle is Kittle's going to kind of come up here and he's going to run a little out and sit. And then Juszczyk's going to run a little whip route and come back in. Is what's called a choice out China usually. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to get the deep third guy to drive on Kittle and occupy the backside hook curl in this cover three onto Juszczyk. And that's going to occupy both of these guys out of this field. So then you get a clear stretch on the middle safety. And so as as Purdy drops back, he's just got to read the deep safety. And normally the way that the Ravens will play this, they're going to want this uh, Will linebacker to end up matching that over route, that through route from Debo. So they've got a way to occupy. Let's clean this up a little bit. They've got a way to occupy the the hook curl here with ah, it. I don't normally do this. Um, they've got a way to occupy the, the, the hook curl here with use check running this little choice out China. They've got a way to occupy the deep third corner with Kittle, because I saw this several times in the game that the way that Baltimore was running this, their corners were matching any of these sort of intermediate routes on the outside. And so now you have a clear stretch and so, if that if they're in cover three, you're gonna have probably Brandon Ayuk wide open, wide freaking open, or Debo is wide open. So it's probably gonna be one to two, Ayuk, Debo. And most likely, you you would get Ayuk here wide open for a touchdown. The problem is that uh, Baltimore didn't run cover three, and so you see they're right. gonna widen this That's out. That's what I was to
3: say. Yeah. There it is.
2: Yeah. yeah, they're they're widening McCaffrey out, and the idea is you're gonna widen this guy a little bit too. Okay, you want to widen the other linebacker. So you're opening up that middle of the field so that you can have this horizontal stretch. of a deep third safety that's what they're trying to do and the problem here is that in this coverage that baltimore called you have no good answers so baltimore ends up running a cover six here so baltimore is we're in a deep quarter we're in a deep quarter and then we're in deep half now, really, you would think that the middle of the field would be open, but the way that Baltimore ran their cover six a lot in this game is that Humphrey or whoever ever the, the corner that was on the cover two side, anything that went vertical, he would match. So these, the deep half safety was actually more playing almost like a trick safety or mm-hmm. he's sitting there um, just helping anything kind of, kind of down the seams was what he was really playing. So you don't have anything to really grab this safety and pull him wide. And that's what ends up happening here because Brock Purdy's going to see the safety go and he's going to think, oh, I can hit I can hit Debo in the middle. But as we watch this play out, you can see Hamilton is not worried about anything deep outside. He's watching down the seam. That's where his eyes are. And you're going to see Debo is going to come up through here. Brock Purdy sees a little window, and he's going to try and fit it in here. But if you see how they're able to match all this up, Humphrey's able to take Kittle. I thought watching the broadcast that Juszczyk was open, and he wasn't. They're going to be able to match on Juszczyk. Humphrey's going to take Debo coming through. And then you got these two deep quarters guys bracketing Ayuk on his post. And really, you know, McCaffrey, he's just, he's not even here as an outlet. He's just kind of there to widen somebody. So, you know, Purdy said he got to progress here. I don't see where you can even progress to. I, I don't see a good option to check down. Because you got a guy driving. This is covered. You got bracket over here. And you got CMC just sitting here. I mean, the only guy that looks somewhat open is Debo. And the safety's just sitting. Because he's not threatened outside. And so this is a play... Kyle, you know, yeah, Purdy makes this
1: play worse. Kyle got out-schemed here. Yeah, know, they, I thought that happened several times this game. But the problem is the context. It's first and 10. It's first and 10 yeah. on the 15. Yeah, and so not, whenever right. you hear Purdy talk about, like, progressing, man, you hit the out route and you throw the ball out of bounds. You ground it. You put the ball in a safe space. Right. All right. those things. This is first and 10. <laughs> You're using CMC as a decoy that's not even running a route. Right. And he's not even in the backfield, so the illusion. And this is why I think one of my biggest problems with Kyle and the scheming and all the things going on right now, when you take away the threat of running, those linebackers get to go straight to their kind of you know drop sets and pay attention to the routes. They're not looking in the backfield. They're immediately opened up to Kyle check and Kittle on that two-by-two two side that way. And it's just like, man, you are giving them the answers to the test, and that's what's driving me crazy. And so that's a first and 10. If it was third and 10, Brock wants to force that throw in. That's one thing, but he didn't recognize, you know, it, it, it was, it was kind of like a modified cover six on the back end, whenever the corner didn't drop and it was open. Like if you throw that ball, to Debo, whatever he's in his break, it could have been a thing, but he didn't recognize the coverage fast enough. He even said that in the presser. He's like, I should have right. recognized his quarters covered to that side. And so, yeah, it, that's the thing. Don't put the ball in jeopardy on first down. It's your first play in the red zone. It's first and 10 from the 15 in the first quarter of the first drive. Not one
2: run. And, play. and you would, you would just moved the ball really well, and your defense had forced Baltimore to three and out. You know, and, and, and this is the criticism that we see from – I keep pointing over here because I'm pointing at my – other screen that I was using to break this down, but um, point at me all you is, want,
1: Johnny. Bring
0: <laughs> This is,
2: this is the criticism we see from, uh, especially like, you know, guys like J.T. Sullivan or maybe chase Daniel, you know, they will talk about the the design sometimes of the 49ers offense that they don't like it as a quarterback. Kurt Warner has said this, you know, going back to the Jimmy G days, something he's like, sometimes I feel like it's, it's drop back and, and then turn around. This guy's going to be open. And when you start looking at the play design, if they're in cover three, again, that is a beautifully designed play. Against the way the Ravens play cover three, but they weren't in that. And sometimes you feel like, you know, with Kyle Shanahan, it's kind of like I almost compare it to, you know, when you have like a guy like Patrick Mahomes that sometimes Patrick Mahomes will put the ball in harm's way and do things that when you when you really stop and think about it, you go, that would drive you nuts the way he, he can do some things, especially like the last game they played. But then he does so many other things really, really well. You completely overlook that sometimes. You know, do we take that same approach here with Kyle Shannon and say, you know what, I'm willing to overlook that because so many other times, so many other games, you know, he's he does this sort of thing and calls it at the exact perfect time. You know, what? Do you, how do you feel about that? Is that is that something that we, we just say, this is just what we live with, Kyle Shannon, Or you say, you know what, I really wish he would start Uh, on some of these plays, especially first down in the red zone, give his quarterback multiple answers against multiple coverages. What do you think, Wayne?
3: Yeah, like you have to give your quarterback options because the first option is not going to always be there. I mean, coverage shrinks in that area, right? Like there's not enough space. It worked because we had plenty of space and you had guys kind of like stretching the field and and other players doing their thing to get to create the space for those passes to George Kittle to be wide open across the middle. And you saw throughout the game, that's how it worked when you had distance and space, you know, to be created. But in the red zone, it shrinks. And so when you said Kyle got out schemed he, he he absolutely did like he thought his guy would have been open cuz he thought it was going to be a certain coverage and his quarterback was told to throw the ball like that's the issue opposed to Brock Purdy realizing that this might this doesn't look right this this might not work and 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 I and I don't like it when Kyle you have a guy like Brock Purdy who clearly has a great uh, 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 mental for the game, the aspect of the game. He's a very student of the game, right? He's very smart. He's one of the quickest processing throwing quarterbacks in the league. He's able to get through his progressions. But when you only leave him with one progression and he's, you know, he's going through the progressions, but if there's nobody open. Like that's the, that's the throw. And then we're saying, throw it away, throw it away, throw it away. Where Debo was open. Let's not say that he wasn't open. Debo was open. It was just a bad moment and Kyle Hamilton if it's any other safety possibly that ball gets dropped but it wasn't it was Kyle Hamilton and so like I think he plays a huge part into why that ball was even picked whether it was cover three cover six cover whatever it doesn't matter they had a better player out there on the football field when it comes to Kyle Shanahan I think what makes me more upset is the simple fact like John alluded to earlier dude it's first and 10 and and you can run the ball once what if you get 19 yards on a run? I mean, explosive runs work just as well as explosive pass plays. And 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 we need to find a way to remain balanced. I don't understand why Kyle just felt like it had to be throw 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 throw. I don't well, get and,
2: it. Yeah. Uh you know, and one thing to also remember, this was in the scripted portion. So, you know, this is in this was their their very first scripted red zone play. So, whatever they had seen from film they were one they, they had seen the very first play they wanted to come out in. they were believing they were they were so confident they went all week saying we th- believe they are going to be in cover three zone first play in the red zone they were so confident in that that they drew this whole play up and then it backfires on you um and and i agree i agree with you exactly and and john i want to hear your thought on this of i would love to see a test the waters play there if this is the scripted Thing you know, come out in this formation, and motion CMC out. Do a little bump motion, then bring Debo around on a reverse or something. Okay, or on a, on a Didn't little. thing do suite. that one time. You know, Didn't like do it once y- all game. R- right, like like do something where you're going to be able to see how they react to this motion. What coverage are they in? and then we can go for the shot play. And if you only get 1 yard or minus 1 yard on that play, you're fine because you got the information you needed. That was my only issue with this. I'm like, this is in the scripted portion. You were so confident that you were going to have cover 3 in this that this is what you called that you didn't even try and test. You didn't even do any data mining to figure out, you know, what coverage you were in. And and John, you know, you'd coach for a long time. Uh how, how do you how does that make you feel?
1: Well, one like I'm really big. I was a defensive-minded coach. That's kind of how you know DC was my first, you know, coordinator position and whatever else. You don't turn the ball over in the red zone. You don't put the ball in jeopardy in the red zone. And the 49ers have the second-best red zone percentage in the NFL throughout this year. So that this is a small sample size, and that's why it was so weird to me because how do the 49ers win their games? Their physicality. Run game, you establish everything, move the pocket, play action, boots, all those things. They didn't exist this game. And so you go out there first and 10, and, you know, back to your question earlier, Johnny, about Shanahan says, do this, throw it to this guy. And we saw it in the other scripted portion in the very first drive of the third quarter. It's third and six. I think it was third and six. Might have been third and four. Yeah. Come out an empty set again. And you've got one-on-one coverage dictated on the outside to Brandon Ayuk. Instead, you throw a little curl route to Willie Sneed with freaking two of the most athletic linebackers in the NFL and the nickel guy sitting on him. But that was Purdy's first read. And he's supposed to throw that based on the alignment pre snap. I get it. But at some point, somebody has to say, Ayuk one on one with their worst cornerback or Willie Sneed against the player, the NFC player of the week and one of the most athletic linebackers. Like, that seems simple to me, and that's my problem, Johnny. These scripted issues where Shanahan is at his best, I'm putting my kids through college, betting 49ers score in the first possession. It did not work this week, but overall, they're kind of the best you know, in the NFL at it. Kyle sometimes has to be checked, and it's just like, man, If you just want to ran the ball, like you said, data mine it, figure out what they're going to do in this coverage, get your validation, then try to take advantage of it. You don't have to freaking go gung-ho on first and 10 from the 15 on the first drive.
2: You no, know, so we've had some struggles offensively against the NFC North, uh, except for the Steelers apparently, but when you look at our our worst offensive performances of the year, you're talking the Browns, the Bengals and the Ravens. You know, these were none of these were good offensive performances and all from the from the AFC North. Did I say NFC North? I meant AFC North if I did. Anyways,
3: hey, we lost to the NFC North too. <laughs>
2: it, yeah. Um, but do you guys start to worry? You know, with what we've seen come, going against these defenses out of the AFC North, I think right now, uh, to me, as I look at the, the landscape of the AFC, re- honestly, uh, right now, the two teams I'm, I'm foreseeing in the Super Bowl on their end is either the Ravens or the Browns. I know that sounds crazy. We want to hype up Buffalo, Miami. I think they're playing good. I think the defenses of... The Browns and the Ravens are going to end up, you're going to have a defensive showdown in the AFC championship game. Uh, If the seating works out for it to be Browns and Ravens, I think that's going to be an amazing AFC championship game. Are you concerned with seeing how we've performed against both those defenses? If this was a Super Bowl preview, you know, many people were coming, were were going to this game saying, this is going to be a Super Bowl preview. It's going to be that. And then it being a blowout and everyone went, well, that's going to be a lame Super Bowl. if That's a Super Bowl. Are you concerned?
3: No. Not, not at all, because at the end of the day, this could have been simply something Kyle just testing the waters, knowing that you're going to see this team some point in the Super Bowl, you possibly will see him again, and then you'll hit him with the haymaker or something that they've never seen before. Um, I think this was a game to go through where they, they were testing and trialing out certain things to see Kyle get trumped, like on that first particular, you know, interception that we just talked about. Um, I never said that it was a bad play call. What I said was they should have ran the ball, period. You can live for another throw. You can there's plenty of other high percentage calls you could have done. Um, Debo runs a route, he's open for a split second, and the window shrunk. It's kind of like what it is. But at the end of the day, I don't think they have to worry about any team in the NFL because the only way the Niners lose games is if they lose games. Like they literally lose these games when stuff isn't clicking, right? When they're not. Uh, they're not in a rhythm when they're not just doing things properly right. We kind of know what these other teams were. We we know what uh the Baltimore Ravens are. They're going to be a defensive team with Lamar Jackson, right? You don't necessarily have to worry about anybody else. We know what the Cleveland Browns are. They're going to ground and pound the ball, and they're going to try. Now they got a a Joe Flacco as the quarterback, so now they're going to throw the ball, right? They're going to get that ball down the field. He's a big time thrower, so you kind of know what these teams are. Their defense, but the Niners are defensively too defensive too, and they have to find, you know, they have ways that they can, I feel like, can trump these defenses. I I believe in Kyle, and I believe in the players that much.
1: Yeah, I'll say this. There's two defenses I don't want to play against. It's the Minnesota Vikings, who are a half game out with Brian Flores. What that dude's doing right now is from a film perspective, is about as fun defensive tape as you could watch. Oh yeah, uh, I, I think I mentioned that uh,
2: I, on my my show before the the Ravens. I said, you know, watching the Ravens and how sound they were on defense was the second funnest film I watched, other than Brian Flores, because what Brian Flores is doing, yeah. is so creative. I mean. You think that they're playing man on all these different blitzes, (laughs) right? He's coming up with all these, these interesting zones and the rules that he's got to have for his zones on these things are amazing because you just watch what they, they do and you will rewind it 10 times and go, they're playing some sort of zone. They're it's hard to find the sort rules. Of zone here and it's, fe- it's hard to figure out what the rules yeah. are. Like that's, what's actually fun. It's like a figuring out a puzzle, but yeah, sorry, go
1: ahead. Not I'm not worried about the Vikings. I'm just saying just from a defensive perspective, I think the two is the Minnesota Vikings and then the Cleveland Browns. Now can Joe Flacco make it that far? We'll see. They're the five seed currently. Um, We'll see, but uh, I'm not worried. Here's what's crazy. I'm not that concerned about the Baltimore Ravens. Are they a good team? Are they the best team? Sure. We, we moved the ball for over 400 plus yards. And that's with four or five possessions ending in a turnover. So I think that you can clean up a couple things. The ball's not going to continue to bounce their way like it did every freaking play. Uh, The penalties, the horrible officiating, that's not going to be replicated again, but it does seem to happen a lot of 49ers games. So, you know, my cause for concern, I don't give a damn who we play. If it's, you know, the 85 bears in the Super Bowl, you put me in the Super Bowl, you give me a one game sample size. Odds be damned. I don't care. I'll take our chances. I know Kyle hasn't fared well in the big game, but you get me in that game. I'll take whatever it is. You know what I mean? I don't care who it is.
2: And I don't see anybody in the NFC standing in our way. There's no. a, there's a, 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 a Cowboys fan in one of y'all's channels. I don't know if it's your, you, John, or you Wayne. They're, there's they're no he's, he's popping off in the chat in, in uh one of your channels and he's high on something. Cause he keeps thinking that they, they want to face us in the playoffs. Uh, How'd that work Dude. the last time? We're, first, we're, we're first living, living rent free in your head if you're uh, on one of our channels. That, so, Dallas can't uh, win on
3: the road. That's number one.
1: Ever.
2: So, that
3: can't. And and, and, and and on number two, if the 49ers had to go to Dallas, which they won't, they would beat him again. So like he he doesn't want the smoke. He, he needs to figure they out. Don't,
2: they don't match up against the, the 49ers. They're yeah, not no, in the same they, class. They They, they got to the figure out how team.
3: to beat the Detroit Lions this week. That, that's what he needs to focus on. Timothy, yeah. go jump into a Lions chat. And see if you can get some intel from them. There we go.
1: <laughs> we got you, Tiny, And uh, we're glad you're here. Subscribe, buddy. <laughs> I want to get
2: to a couple super chats here. Uh, thank you so much, Kevin Johnson. He says, can you find gentlemen, give us your explanation on why Kyle's fourth quarter when trailing is so one-sided? I feel like if Kyle isn't rolling by then, he seems stuck on plays. You know, they, they put up the graphic. Kyle's like one in 32, something like that, when trailing by more than eight points in the fourth quarter is the worst. He's the only coach that hasn't had a win. Uh, I think that's actively coaching that hasn't had a win in that scenario. Why is that?
3: Well, got, I, go ahead. I mean, it's it's got to it's got to be his philosophy, right? Like, Kyle has an explosive scheme that, if executed properly, because that's what it comes down to with Kyle Shanahan, the execution, basically, because he feels like every play call that he calls is going to be for seven points, like six and then the an extra point, like every time they step onto the football field. And when you go back and watch the film, you'd be like, dang it, this person made that block or if if this, this happened. It probably could have gone. We just talked about on that second interception, like if the ball wasn't tipped, it was getting into one of the most explosive players in the NFL's hands, and he just had to beat a one-on-one. That's Kyle Shanahan. I feel like he thinks his team is just going to come out offensively and like just take a crazy lead, and it is what it is. And kind of when he plays with the lead, they don't lose. When he doesn't have a lead, though, he's—I don't think he's that type of play caller. Can kind of like figure it out. Maybe his stuff needs to be simplified when we're losing just a little bit. Like simplify it. Just have a—I uh, have a check down. How about in front of Brock Purdy, opposed to the side of Brock Purdy, so he could just float it right there. You know, just little things, uh, you know, to kind of get some juju and get back into a game. I don't know why that stat is like really—that's a bad stat. It's terrible, but. I think his mindset is that we're not going to be trailing in games, so.
1: Yeah, it, that's fair, but sometimes things go the wrong way. And so I went back after the three-game loss, and I charted every single play call in the fourth quarter overtime when it was with the within eight points, okay? So one possession games in the fourth quarter, whether the 49ers are, were up or down. And so for a two-year stretch, Kyle Shanahan had an 85% pass call rate. When it was a one-possession game in the fourth quarter in overtime. That's simple to me. Um, like, the panic mode that he gets in in pressure situations, and you see it on the sideline. And I love Kyle. He's my number one head coach. If I could rebuild a team, start scratch, Kyle's my number one pick. Um, but this is the flaw. Now, you almost broke the record for most consecutive games by winning you know, 12 points or more mm-hmm. uh, with six consecutive games. That was awesome. But at some point you got to win from behind. And even whenever we saw, I think we saw this in the bears game when we were up three points in the fourth quarter, he still kept passing. Like you got to be able to rely on the run. It is consistent. It helps your defense. It calms everybody down, play the odds. It's how you build this team. It's how you built this team. So rely on the run. 85% passes and one possession games in the fourth quarter overtime. That's crazy. Now, that's not updated since the three-game lose streak, uh, loss streak, but I'm not sure there were a lot of one-possession games um, before this Ravens game.
2: Yeah, I I think you hit the nail on the head. It's not the way this team is built. When you look at the offensive line... What have they always waited towards? And I always point to Mike McGlinchey, okay? He was—he is the only first-round investment in their offensive line. And what, what, what do we always see from Mike McGlinchey? What do we always say about Mike McGlinchey? Run He's blocker. a fantastic run blocker. run blocker. He is a below-average, at best, pass blocker. I think that is an encapsulation of how Kyle Shanahan builds his offensive line. And so when you are in a situation where your offensive line has to drop back, 15 times in a row or 10 times in a row, or even five times in a row, that is not looking good for your quarterback. It's just not because these guys are not good. They don't practice it. They don't rep it. They don't, they weren't drafted because of it as guys who can drop back. And so you always see this always, always, always like you say, it becomes so predictable. You're dropping back and it's like, you see the, the the quarterbacks, every quarterback we've had, it's, they're almost going into panic mode because within two and a half seconds, there's a guy in their lap and it becomes so hard to execute and it becomes so frustrating. And then it's putting your defense and it snowballs and it does all these things. And that's why, again, Kyle Shanahan, it's, it's great when you're, when you're running the running ahead, but it's so hard, especially, I think that's why it's so, um, so weighted, but I, I, I also want to bring this up. You know, Mike Sando here on Twitter had a, gave us some really good perspective on this. I'm going to, Uh, Zoom in on this so we can see a little bit better, you know, regarding the 0 and 38 down eight plus in the fourth quarter. All teams win 7 percent of the time. That's the winning percentage. The best in the league is Kansas City. Not surprising. They're built to throw the ball. So when they're in a throw the ball situation, they can do better than everybody else. And they also have that, you know, Mahomes kid I hear he's going to be pretty good. And Green Bay was after that. And, you know, they had that Rodgers kid for a while. He was pretty good. When you look at Seattle, is then next in there. They're one in 38. Carolina, one in 58. Indiana, one in 36. And when we talk about, you know, he's the only one without a win. Okay, we can say that, but you know, there's a lot of teams here that only have one win. Baltimore, two and twenty-two. Same sort of, they're built very similarly to the to the 49ers. Uh, Dallas, two and thirty-seven. So there you go, Timothy. Uh Dak is two and thirty-seven went down eight points. Um, and and so, you know, I think there's also a perspective there of that very few teams, it's really hard to win when you're in that situation, especially with the kind of parity that's in the league. And then when you add that on top of a team that is built to run the ball, now I that's why you're 0 and 37, 0 and 38 now. Um, you know, trailing my, in the fourth quarter. My thing when is gets,
1: I wish there was just one coach. That could have like three like buttons a game where it's just like one coach just sitting up there in the booth, and whenever he pushes the button, Kyle has to call a run play. Just three times. Just three times. And whatever happens, Kyle gets cut off. It's a run play, whatever Brock wants, and that's just what we do. Like just kind of like the golden tickets thing. with
2: America's Got Talent. You know, they get they Ooh. get one one per season. This is the one. All right, here I'm calling I'm vetoing Kyle. It's gonna be a run play.
1: Run play three
2: times. Give give it to Jane from payroll or Joan from payroll. I want Joan from payroll to have it right there. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) Uh, Another super chat here was uh, good news is Browns and Ravens would face off early in the playoffs. Also, that physical Ravens defense everyone is praising will be will be P.I. against league darlings like Allen Emma Holmes, meaning they're going to get called for a lot of pass interferences when they go against, uh, you know, some big name quarterbacks. How you guys feel about that? Is is Baltimore's Raven? Is is their Ravens defense a little overbloated?
3: Uh, uh,
2: Did they fill up too much on on Christmas ham?
3: No, I I, I, I mean they they are physical, but um, I mean they didn't get they didn't get too many penalties in this game playing over physical. I I just don't think the Ravens play well in the playoffs, just like the Cowboys.
1: <laughs> like. So, yeah, what's Lamar have one playoff win his yeah, entire career? I mean, he he. Wins I love Lamar though. I'm right.
3: not trying to. He, listen, he he, he he and he with he's twenty and one against the NFC during the regular season. Listen, I live with that record. But if he can't win in the playoffs, what's the problem? I know Brock Purdy can win in the playoffs though. So like at the yes. end of the day, we look at this game, we got our butt smacked. Okay, oh well, did we make mistakes? Yes. Was Brock Purdy the worst person on the field? The major- yes, that he was bad. He was, was terrible. No matter what the context is, Brock throws four interceptions. It's hard to win a game when you have four Real turnovers. Hard very hard. Like, it's very hard. So, unfortunately, and the crazy thing is, even with three of those turnovers, we were still in the game. Yeah, so, like, four-point it, it, game. It, it's, it's amazing, right? But at the end of the day, look, the Niners got their butt whipped. And and it's really like, you know, Fred Warner said it best. He says, look, we're not looking for seeding. That's not the goal. The goal is to win the Super Bowl. Now, you can't put your worst stuff out there and expect people to believe you're going to win the Super Bowl, but I don't think the Niners were even at their worst. It, The game plan itself just seemed a little off-kiltered when you run the ball 18 times. And I, Offensively. Yeah, offensively. And Defense I, and I, was fine. It was fine, but it was on the field too much, and they started making bonehead plays. Yep. So, like, yeah. you said the snowball effect. So, at the end of the day, You know, as a 49er fan, we're fine. We're going to be fine. It was an AFC game. We got beat on national TV. Let's go and dominate these next two NFC teams. I think that's what it comes down to.
2: Yeah, I, I didn't see anything coming out of here. Going okay, you know, somebody's uh f- figured out the blueprint. This wasn't like how Philly fans and Philly reacted after we absolutely curb stomped them. This wasn't you know a situation where it was like, oh dear Lord, the blueprint's out. This is how you beat us. And I, I don't, I don't see that. You know, there it, it's not on film. There's no systemic problems that I'm seeing. Um, these are just you know it's a bump in the road and you move on. Now, one thing coming out of the game as we move and forward and look forward to the Commanders now. Going out to FedEx field, uh, there's some injuries that are piling up. You know, we got Trent Williams. They're not sure we, we when he had the, when Kyle had the last press conference I saw, uh, I didn't see, you know, any major update on Trent Williams. You got Aaron Banks is dealing with the toe. You got, uh, it was, uh, didn't Brendel go, or uh Somebody else went down as Feliciano went down as well. Or Jalen Moore, excuse me, had the concussion. And now Jair Brown is looking like he's got a knee issue. Um, you know, yeah, that to Hafunga is, you know, obviously out for the season. How are we starting to feel with some of these injuries? AA, you know, we don't know what this, what the status is there. It's kind of this, uh, we're seeing how it goes. And that's been the story for two weeks. That's what we heard last year. And he was out for like six weeks. You know, we don't know what the situation is going to be there. They went out and they signed Sebastian Day. Uh, you know, so to me, that says that they're more concerned that they're not going to see him within, within the next three weeks. They need to bring somebody in to help, you know, solidify the interior defensive line to get that number one seating. To me, that's what the Sebastian Day uh, signing says. When I put it in the notes, I almost said Sheldon Day. And I was like, wait a minute. That ain't the right <laughs> player. Uh that was the guy who left the 49ers. Um, but you know, how do you feel with the injuries coming up? What are your biggest concerns out of all those? Uh
3: I mean, injuries are just a concern. I mean, you can say that for all 32 football teams, but to focus on the 49ers, it's always a concern. It's it's always going to happen. Uh, it's just the timing of it. I'm more I'm more upset about the timing of when the injuries are starting to happen. It seems like a lot of the players played pretty much injury free. Um, you know, I'm sure they're banged up, but they have played pretty much injury free and war of attrition is starting to set in. So it is what it is. They're going to have to find a way to get over that this last hump. I don't think the injuries are that serious, though. Um, I think when it comes to Eric Armstead, they're monitoring it properly because of what happened last season. So since they went through what happened last season, they're probably like, hey, let's go get Sebastian Joseph Day. Let's give him some more time to rest and, and heal up so he's good to go in the playoffs because Eric Armstead was probably one of the best defensive players in the playoffs uh, last year for the San Francisco 49ers. And I think they want him to get back to that level of, of playing. So I'm cool with that. Uh, Trent Williams, he was limited at practice, which is great, opposed to just not being at practice so I don't think the groin injury was that too severe I don't think Brock Purdy Stinger is severe I don't think the injury to Jair Brown is severe I just don't think they're that severe these are the war of attrition injuries where they're starting to kind of like set in right now the Niners just got to keep their eyes on that prize and find a way to get through whatever they're going through Um the players that are out are out for the season it sucks but they found a way to move on from that and I know we talked about how bad Jair Brown played this particular game, but he's kind of been pretty much at, on average, an average safety for the San Francisco 49ers during his rookie campaign. So, I, I look, you got the Commanders and you got the Rams. Two beatable teams, two teams they should dominate. I don't think these injuries are going to make uh, much of a difference.
1: Hey, Faithful, are you facing challenges getting new clients for your business? Power Brand Systems is changing the game for many businesses like yours. Score touchdowns worth of quality leads with their innovative online marketing tools. And also, I got to say this. The owner is part of the faithful, close friend of mine. He helped build the49ersrush.com, which is feeding my family. Whether you're aiming to skyrocket your business visibility with high converting ads, stand out on Google searches, or gather five-star reviews, Power Brand Systems has got your back. And my favorite thing about what they do, they have a social media planner feature that's a true game changer. I've been using it post flow effortlessly across various social media accounts. You won't find this level of convenience anywhere else. And on top of that, you can try it for 14 days completely risk-free. Visit PowerBrandSystems.com slash John, J-O-H-N. That's PowerBrandSystems.com slash John to get started today. Because let's face it, when it comes to boosting your business, why make it complicated? Keep it simple. Keep it smart. Here's to your unstoppable success. Yeah, I think, you know, my concern isn't the injuries. It's stacking injuries at the same position. And so whenever you get all the defensive tackles injured, now you bring in Sebastian Joseph Day, who's been awesome, That alleviates a lot of the stress. Now you've got the Jair Brown who did not practice. We'll see how long he's out. It means Isaiah Oliver is going to be out there. It means Logan Ryan's going to be out there. Uh, Shetty had said, you know, any of these guys that play corner or safety or maybe even linebacker can play safety. That's scary. That is scary. I don't like that. Now, good news. There's good news when we talk about these injuries. Danny Gray brought off IR. Maybe that means we can get some depth and a, a decent punt returner. That would be huge. I would love to see that. I'm not sure he's going to be activated just yet, but the is there and Oren Burks back practicing DFF. is not a legitimate linebacker in the NFL. Um, he really isn't. And I like him and he's Thank great. You. And he's a guy. <laughs> but he is bad on tape all the freaking time. So, and they were able to mask a lot of his issues. Like he didn't, there weren't a lot of red flags in his games uh, the past two weeks, but like, it's an issue. A big reason why Fred Warner had all those missed tackles the last couple of weeks is because DFF's out there. He's having to play Superman ball. When Oren Burks comes back, you don't have to do that. So th- there are some positives coming from this. Uh, Trent Williams practicing on a Wednesday, even though it was a walkthrough. That's huge. That says a lot.
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and that ties right into super chat here from Kevin who says tackling is a major problem. Yeah. And uh, you know, cause I, 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 when I, when I watched DFF, and this goes back for a couple of years now is that every time I watch him, I I was been scared to death when he's on the field. If he's, if he's one-on-one in space, you can guarantee that tackles not being made. You know, I think the reason he get, he plays is because he plays assignment sound is that when he's asked to be a force defender and, and kind of shovel, shuffle things or or funnel things back to Greenlaw and Warner, he's great. He can go and he'll take on an alignment and he'll, he'll end up there in violence. Um, You know, he does decent on his depth, depth drops for pass coverage, but tackling has always been a terrible problem with him. And, you know, he just, it's like, he doesn't track the near hip. He does. Something's off there of why he just, I hit my mic uh, of why he doesn't get the tackles and it just drives you nuts. And I, and I think Oren Burks is going to be a much bigger lift than people think because, you know, we don't think about third linebackers as much anymore. So, you know, I think he's going to be a big lift.
1: And I'll say this, too, with the rookies, D winners and Jalen Graham, when they have come in and spot duty and like in blowouts, they're not consistent enough to warrant gameplay. So, like, I I understand now the DFF getting the nod over those guys because they're they're just not ready. The splash plays are there, but the negative splash plays are there, too. So I get it. Oren Burke's coming back. Gigantic. Uh, I, I, I really wish more people would understand how inv- valuable that dude is to just a sound base defense. It's only 25 plays of the game. It's huge.
3: It's just yeah. he's a solid linebacker, right? Like that that's what he is. He's a linebacker that knows how to wrap and tackle. And so when when Fred Warner and, and Dre Greenlaw are out there, they don't have to overcompensate. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, but when Oren Burks is out there and those base downs. They're not overcompensating, and, and next thing you know, they're playing pass coverage and the defense looks sound. It's because they have a legit linebacker on the football field out there. So I, I'm so glad he's going to be back. It sucked that we had to lose him for, for three weeks or so, but if he's back, that's good for the 49ers defense, and it'll be good to get back and get back into football shape against the Commanders on Sunday.
2: Yeah, you, you definitely don't see it. You see a lot less overpursuit when – When Oren Burks is there, when he's not there, you can tell Fred and Dre, they they're so worried about. They don't want to just funnel that that run back. They don't want to funnel somebody back towards Flanagan Fouls because they, they, there's not the trust there that that tackle is going to get made. And so, you know, they'll they'll over-pursue. They'll get out of their rush lanes. They won't be as quick on things. Uh, you know, they're like I said, they're they're pressing, and they're trying to make up for it. I want to hit another Super Chat here. This is from the Lone Draftsman. Thank you so much for the Super Chat. He says, 49ers Ravens rank both 4th and 5th in DVOA history through 14 games, going back to 81. These are two really good teams, as far as you know. DVOA, and so he's not concerned in a rematch. Either could win it. Uh, yeah, there's there's no well problems there with either either way, and and that's a great way of saying it. Um, you know, there's big news looking at the matchup here against the the Commanders that they benched Sam Howell, and they're bringing out. Jacoby Brissett against the 49ers how do we feel about this you know kind of a a late news thing and and you know maybe the 49ers coming off of a short week they started watching film on Sam Howell and suddenly you know game plan install day they're finding out they're going against Jacoby Brissett Wayne do you got any uh, concerns they're going against Jacoby Brissett now you know kind of as this wild card thing thrown in there
3: uh, not really. Just another guy that they got to, you know, prepare to take a, you know, a run. Another, I don't want to say he's like a super mobile quarterback. That's not his thing. He's going to look to stay in the pocket and get the ball down the field. But he will, he has, he has some feet and he can move. So the Niners can't just tee off. Uh, Like, you know, they want to sit and duck back there in the pocket. So they're going to have to play disciplined football again. And they're going to have to wrap and tackle because Johnny and John, I don't know how many missed sacks we had in this game against Lamar Jackson, but they were right there, like just so. So I I get the missed tackles. There might have only been six missed tackles in this game that were recorded, but I get why people felt like there were thirty because there were some sacks that were missed just being right there. So they gotta just be fundamentally sound against this guy. I don't see him throwing for three hundred plus yards and five touchdowns. The Raven, I mean, the Commanders can't even score that many points, but He did have a nice little stint when he was out there on the football field, uh, um, you know, this past weekend. So he's a professional quarterback. He's a veteran quarterback. You're going to get that. And the Niners just got to be disciplined and they'll be just fine.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I'll, I'll add to it. You go from playing Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson to Jacoby Brissett. So like the mobile quarterbacks there, but you've spent weeks You know, getting ready for this. And, you know, there was really only one big Lamar scramble that killed us in the, you know, the yards as far as, like, that explosive play goes. But, yeah, just answer your call. The Commanders have lost, I think, six straight. They're not a good football team. Brissett's way better. uh, Protects the ball. He hasn't thrown an interception this year. He's appeared in three games. It's a better team with Brissett. but let's be honest. You're fighting for the one seed. You go take care of business on the East Coast. You do what you got to do. You're the better team. You took one of their best players for pennies on the dollar go do what you nothing. Yeah put, yeah put them down man yeah put them down yeah you know i'm looking
2: at this th- this feels like a desperation move from ron rivera to me uh you know he fired jack del rio early in the season some people were like i don't remember him throwing some people under the bus i said you know Rivera's thrown a couple people under the bus this year. He threw Jack Del Rio under the bus, fired him. I believe he fired his special teams coordinator. What uh, you know, there was another coach that was fired, or maybe it was the defensive backs coach. I think it was the defensive backs coach, something uh, that he fired. You know, obviously trying to say we're having issues there, and it's somebody else's fault. He's the head coach, all right. So, and Jack Del Rio, you know, whatever it may have been, you know, I don't know what was really going on there, but it sa- seems a little fishy in a year where you're having the the year you are, you have new ownership, you fire your defensive coordinator midseason, you fire another co- position coach, you uh, end up trading away your two de- best defensive players. Because it was it was after they traded those guys away, the next game they they lost, and then he fired
1: Jack Del Rio. Well, you know, it was like, Jack, did you, you see you the t- press conference where they were talking to Jack and he was like, well, you trade away two of your best players and Jack cut him off. He's like, whoa, whoa. I didn't, I didn't trade I didn't him away.
3: Trade him away. <laughs> I didn't trade him. away. And then yeah. he got
1: fired right after that. Like,
3: right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah I mean, kinda...
1: you got the, you got
2: this situation where, you know, this, this is what happens. Um, and now your young quarterback who they're trying to see, is this the guy for the future? Are they going to, to keep him somehow, or are you going to end up investing one of your high draft picks that you're going to get this year by being so terrible in a quarterback And Rivera is pulling that young guy and putting in Jacoby Brissett. Like, I don't understand the move. Like, I understand that he, you know, Jacoby Brissett's probably going to be a a more reliable quarterback there than Sam Howell has been. But this feels like a desperation move of Rivera to preserve his job, of just trying to get something positive and win, as opposed to what the organization actually needs. And I don't see Rivera being there. This, to me, either you're going to get, you know, this, this is a situation where guys are going to be playing for their jobs or they completely want to see Rivera gone before the last week of the year and they they throw in the towel. Uh, I think the 49 should roll in there and absolutely destroy the commanders. Like this is one of those things that to me, if I was in as part of the Washington commanders organization, I think everybody would be giving up on Ron Rivera, you know, and, and I'm not, I'm not saying Ron Rivera is a bad guy. I don't know him personally. I don't know anything. Okay. I'm just saying just reading from 35,000 foot, perspective this does not look good and i see a an organization wanting to quit on him and walk away and just move on because there there's there's just no i don't, I don't see how you come back from this so this should be a game the 49 roll in there and they absolutely dominate him. uh it, it should be uh should be a cakewalk for them and handle business you know uh hope that you know as much as i as much as timothy's going to uh probably bag on me for this is um i want to see the cowboys beat the lions you know because it helps the 49ers out you know the lions lose that this weird? week arizona arizona beats uh beats philadelphia. philadelphia this week and the 49ers win you have the number 1 seed locked up you know, th- there it is. Then, then this team that's dealing with injuries, you don't have to beat the Rams. You can go in there. You can play Sam Darnold. You can you Kyle can play won't. Jordan Mason. Yeah, he probably won't, he but won't. you can play Jordan Mason. Uh, you can play Jalen Moore. You, you don't have to play some of these guys that it, that you want to see healthy in the playoffs. There's a super chat I want to get to here because uh, this wasn't on the notes, but I would love your guys' take on this uh, because some news did break this morning that, Patrick Willis has made it to a top 15 uh, finalist as the hall of fame. So too much sauce asks better all time. Niner, Niner linebacker, Pat Willis or Fred Warner. Wayne, let's hear your take on this.
3: I think right now it's still Pat Willis, right? I mean, Fred Warner is probably going to play another <laughs> five years, six years uh, with the Niners. So I think overall he'll, he'll probably be the guy, but Everybody loves Patrick Willis, man, and it's unfortunate that he couldn't continue to play. And he—he was the last of the linebacking position when it of what it used to be. Like it, it has definitely changed. And I love what the hybrid linebacker is doing right now, and they're able to drop back in coverage and play safety-esque type football, but still be able to stop the run. But Patrick Willis will always be probably my favorite linebacker, and I think he'll be the better all-time Niner linebacker. But again, Fred Warner wins championships, he has the durability, he stays healthy, he stays a niner, he'll eventually take that, that crown.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. Willis definitely, he came to the NFL the best linebacker. I had the wonderful opportunity hanging out with him last weekend in Arizona for the 40-hour's rush road trip was so cool. Um, but I will say this, Fred Warner's 27. He's His third All-Pro season is locked up. Warner's All-Pro this year. Easily. Yeah, Patrick Willis got five. Can Fred get, you know, three more? I don't think that's a question. There's nobody testing his supremacy right now. I think Warner's going to take it. I do eventually. Now, again, Willis, he's in the clubhouse. What he's done is Hall of Fame worthy. He should get in this year. And congrats to him on being a finalist. But uh, I'm telling you right now, if I was buying stock, man, Willis is going to be the greatest linebacker of all time. Yeah, you know, I, I, I... – I think you go, 49ers you go, all time. Fan,
2: Sorry. Yeah. 49ers all the time. Sorry. Uh, I think uh, you guys make some excellent points that I want to agree with. And I do agree with them that, you know, Patrick Willis, what we saw from him. One, we have to remember that Patrick Willis was not on a great team for half of his career that he was the best defensive player on his team and it wasn't close. The
0: best and he was
2: a guy <laughs> who who with without anybody else on as a supporting cast, you know, really that the oh seven defense, that 08 defense when he came in, you know, his rookie year, dude had like two hundred and twenty tackles. I mean, that's just insane. He was getting like twenty tackles a game. Uh, and in, in some of those games and, and, you know, he was to me, when we make the argument, uh, I think that Fred, that, excuse me, Patrick Willis needs to be in the hall of fame. And here's why, you know, people always say, well, he didn't play long enough. You go, well, one, okay. What are the criteria for being in, in the hall of fame? One, they have to play at a really high level. And when you look at the kind of accolades that Patrick Willis had, the amount of all pros, the amount of Pro Bowls that he had, he has double what guys who were first ballot Hall of Famers have. Guys that got into the, into the Hall of Fame first ballot because they, it was, they were an amazing player. Patrick Willis has double the all pros they have. He has more all pros than it's like 80% of the guys who are in the Hall of Fame right now. So there's not an argument that he didn't play at a high enough level Two, you always say, can you talk about the history of the game without Without mentioning them? You absolutely cannot, because if you look at the way that the linebacker position has changed for the next for the last 15, 16 years, where you're seeing all of these matching zones now that were that were kind of, you know, Saban started doing them at Alabama because he had these really athletic linebackers. And everybody thought, well, you can't do that in the NFL. Receivers are just too fast. And then you get a guy like Patrick Willis who comes in. And suddenly he can match the number three across the the field. That he can match a Julio Jones type guy down the middle of the field. Where normally you would never see a linebacker do something like that. Where suddenly now the, the, the linebacker isn't just asked to go from tackle to tackle. He's asked to go from true sideline to sideline, or even, you know, maybe numbers to numbers. Now, he truly is sideline to sideline because of the amount of speed that he's brought to the linebacker position. It completely changed how guys started valuing traits at the linebacker position, because before before Patrick Willis, your prototypical middle linebacker was a Brian Erlacher, was a Takeo Spikes, these big thumper guys who were going to be able to get in there and fill, and they were going to take on guards, and they brought in that ability to be physical and do that kind of stuff. Ray Lewis, to me, was the pick pinnacle of the traditional linebacker of the that what you would call the traditional you know brian Erlacher, uh Derek thomas sort of in mold patrick willis ushered in the luke keekleys the bobby wagner's the fred warners okay because you look at those guys and you compare them to to the, the linebackers that you saw before patrick willis the linebacker position has changed and to me patrick willis brought that in because of the amount of speed he brought to the linebacker position. And so when we talk about history of the game, you cannot talk about the history of the game and the linebacker position and what it is today without Patrick Willis. So for me, it's a a shame that he is not in the Hall of Fame, that that's not looked at, that's not considered. It's just, well, he didn't play long enough. He changed the game. He changed
1: the defensive game. I agree. The problem is he campaigned openly to the writers to vote in Bryant Young. Like, he marketed against himself, and I think this is a testament to kind of who he is. And then he did the same for Ronnie Lott, but then when, or not Ronnie Lott, I'm sorry, uh, Roger Craig, when Roger Craig didn't make the semifinalist, then, you know, whatever. But to play devil's advocate, the the writers would say this, and they're the ones that have the votes. Longevity, not there. Super Bowl, not there. And that's why I think he gets in now. And so some of the writers just have a chip that, look, there's certain criteria that have to be met and Super Bowl and longevity is some of that for some of those riders. And so, you know, they hold off on those things, whether rightfully or not. I hate that the writers have to say so in this because they don't. They, anyway, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but he's getting yeah. this. Espe- year, es- especially
2: when you when you see, you know, even some of the writers that cover the 49ers, uh, you know, the, the things that are put out there. Um, you go, yep. I don't know if these, these are the people that you really want voting nope. on this sort of thing, that's uh, with not... lone draftsman thank, Thanks for the super chat. He says, shout out to Dave Wilcox, other 49ers franchise star linebacker who passed away last April. Willis and Warner will join him in the hall of fame one day. Love and I, that I think man. that's true. You know, uh, and the, I guess to the point of Fred Warner versus Patrick Willis, um, Patrick Willis was great every time he stepped on the field. I haven't seen quite that level of consistency from Fred Warner. We've had most of his games this year have been all pro Fred. There have been a few games he's had this year where I, I was really, you know, Cincinnati, for example, just jumps out of me that Fred Warner played one of his worst games in the last three years to me when, when we played Cincinnati, he was just, he was not good in that game. He was not what you would expect from Fred Warner. Patrick Willis had a high level of of uh consistency that every from time he stepped one, on the field day one he and, and it came Friends from day season. one that he that he was the best player on the field and it wasn't close and you know maybe when navarro bowman came on like that was that was when that changed a little bit but um you know he was always great every single game and i want to see fred have that level of consistency if fred has that level of consistency for the next five years we won't be asking about this argument we'll say you know patrick willis is great fred warner is the greatest 49 linebacker ever
1: so uh get what you've and heard as, fred as, say consistency is the truest measure of greatness he got that from D'Amico, and he's repeated he, it like 20 times which so i think can... D'Amico got that
2: from sala because i remember sala saying that there in a go. press conference
1: one day he yeah. says you know
2: the greatest measure of success is consistency um or consistency is the greatest metric of success sala yeah. said that i believe it was 2000s. 2000... Seventeen. It was about three quarters of the way through that season. Why I remember that as it's from from Robert. It's 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 it's, it's weird. I I can't explain it as we look forward to some predictions here. uh, What is your give us your favorite win over Washington ever? Uh, The lone draftsman says he got I got 96 49ers at Washington hard fought 19 to 16 win between two, eight and three teams in nasty weather. Uh, That's his favorite memory win over washington so wayne give us your prediction and your favorite win over washington john you'll be right up after him
3: i mean i like the mud bowl Uh, i thought that was pretty cool man uh you know and it was nine nothing it was all robbie gold couldn't get into the end zone no team got to the end zone we shut him out right and it's just a bunch of slip and slide i mean it looked like the official slip and slide if you grew up and you had the slip and slide you were uh that was amazing i grew up in the hood so uh, we couldn't use the slip and slide because it was like on concrete but we we figured it out anyway but my point is that was a great game um not like no superstars did anything in that game but the way Nick Bosa ended that game on that sack was official, and I think that's – you see all the players, the pictures from that. look like they came out of a battle from Game of Thrones. I loved it. I loved it a lot. That would be my my favorite game, 2019 rookie season, Nick Bosa, Debo Samuel.
1: That's where I was going to go. Thanks, Wayne.
3: You're welcome, uh, John. That's what you <laughs> that get for letting me go first.
1: I love it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go back. I remember the game. I, I just looked it up, uh, the divisional round in the playoffs. I remember playing them back in 92. You know, I was I was a young kiddo, but I just became a fan. I became a fan when I was nine, so 1991. Um, and then you we get into this, and yeah, you beat them in the playoffs. I uh, Ricky Running Waters was like one of my favorite players ever. Him and Jerry Rice, and I just remember having a good game. Uh, we won twenty to thirteen. It was ninety. You know, is played in January '93 at Candlestick. Uh, obviously, we didn't go to the Super Bowl that year, uh, but I, I remember that game, and I remember flexing because we would walk to school. And I had a buddy that was a diehard Washington fan and a diehard Cowboys fan and a Steelers fan, and we would fight all the time. I remember that I had my new hoodie. Oh, man, good times. Good starters Yep. Mm-hmm. Now,
2: I got to go back to the Mud Bowl. I that was what I was sitting there <laughs> in my mind. I'm like, I'm going with the Mud Bowl, and then Wayne just blurted up Mud Bowl. Uh, you know, because I will always remember the picture that they had of Mike Person.
3: That's who, it. You know, with, that's the with one his, with
2: his beard, just mud just dripping everywhere. That's the one, and, and that. That was the the feels great baby game, you know that that became the 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 saying because Aaron Andrews was was uh, interviewing uh, Jimmy G and he said you know feels great baby and and they walk off the well, field that nine was that zero one.
3: that was that game yeah the that was, was that high. game
2: and uh, and and you know like I was
3: out there too. He,
2: I it mean, was it, it was it was we kicked three field goals. That was it. But it was so fun. I mean, it was like everything that you dream about when you're a kid playing football like that you want. You love to play football in the mud mm-hmm. and to see grown men playing football in the mud and having fun like little kids was just amazing. It and It's um, like you said, one of the one of the greatest memories of it and and just the images that came out was just amazing.
1: Can we go back to that? Can we go back to winning with defense and not, like, having to put up 40 points and running the ball and field goals being a good thing? Like, this defense is capable, Kyle. Come on, man. We're going full circle here. Go back to your 2019 Mud Bowl. Run the damn ball. Protect the ball. Come
3: on, man. I just want to put out that I know Robbie Gould won that game, but he missed his first field goal attempt in that game. I don't remember anybody giving him any flack for it. Dude,
1: that was like a snow globe game though, right. you know what I mean? That was
3: crazy. <laughs> but both kickers missed in that game and then Robbie Gold, was he out, he won the duel. He, 3 yeah, out of 4. Yeah. And the, the right. crazy thing is we got to the red zone literally like the 3-yard line 2 3 times and just couldn't cash in. It was a mess. George Kittle, that's the first like why don't we do those plays anymore? Like George Kittle, line up in the backfield. We I ain't saying this is 2019. That means that they haven't seen it since 2019, which means it probably will work.
2: Wayne's East Coast is coming out. I love it. He's getting fired up. <laughs> I don't out. get That's it. Awesome.
3: Like, you like have, you have all these game, weapons on the field that could do multiple things, can line up in multiple ways, and we it's just steady, Eddie. Yep, George Kittle, go in motion, set the block, whatever. No, line his ass up in the backfield. Let him punch it in. He could run.
2: Sorry. I love it. I love it. Uh, I got to get to a, a home for a meeting. My wife has a work meeting, but I want to get through a few of these super, super, chats. They, some three more came in and I know one came, I think it's from your channel, John, uh, Glass City says, what do you think of Varet getting playing time? Kyle Shannon said it's a plan for the future as well. I know he gave up a touchdown. That was a rough play, though. Yeah, it was a real rough situation he was in. Uh, Kyle said it was, you know, planned to get his feet wet that he'd been playing slot more in the practices, which was a little surprising. Maybe that's because he doesn't quite have the downfield speed that he used to have after, you know, 18 rebuilt legs. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, what do you guys think?
1: Yeah, I, I'm in the minority on this. I kind of liked it. He got five snaps, didn't go well. Uh, but now with the safety down, you're kind of seeing what's going to happen because if Isaiah Oliver is playing safety, which I fully expect if Jair Brown's out, now this dude's one snap away from playing. So he got his feet wet, didn't go well, they, You know, gave up the touchdown, five snaps, but hopefully that's behind him if you got to rely on him moving forward. Uh, we've got depth. We're building depth, and so I will always err on the side of depth personally. I didn't like it. Yeah.
3: Oh, well. I, I, I don't care if he's been practicing at it. I just, if you're going to put him in the game, let him go where he's comfortable, not where he's uncomfortable. He must have had some really good practices, though, for Kyle to want him to get out there to play in the slot. And listen, I, 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 I know that play, he gave up the touchdown, but, I mean, it was a scramble play. So at the end of the day, yeah, it's on him, but it was a tough play. Maybe if it was another nickel he had five snaps. He didn't play bad on all five snaps. So, but I just didn't you know, like him I, being out of position. To me, yes.
2: I I love the idea of, of again rotating men. I don't I don't know if this was the game that I would have wanted or the to do time that in. in the game uh, and the time in the game, but. I, you know, the potential of what he can be in this defense is, is fantastic. We need another man coverage corner, a guy who can play man really well. We need to be able to play man from the slot really well, you know, to pair with Mooney Ward Wilkes likes to play man coverage. He just does, you know, uh, we are a zone coverage team and Wilkes likes to play man coverage more. It's another tool in his toolbox for that. Uh, Daryl Luter was a draft pick. I thought that was a Wilkes guy. He's brought in to play press man, what Wilkes loves to do. And so I love to see uh Verrett out there getting his feet wet. It, you know, just made me, if nothing else, just happy for him. Uh with everything that he's been through. Uh we walked on the moon, says Philly and Dallas fans should take it slow in here. Intelligent football discussions are inconceivable to them. <laughs> inconceivable. <laughs> um throwing a little shade. I'm not sure that word means regos. what you think it means. <laughs> <laughs> um uh yeah, you know, I will say uh I, I lost a lot of respect for Philly fans over the last 11 months. Yeah. I, I used to kind of like the franchise, and then um, suddenly I had to block like 200 people on Twitter uh, who were sliding in my DMs with some pretty nasty stuff and yeah. um, coming at me with all sorts of stuff. I don't know if you guys had the same thing.
3: I don't get that flack. Like, like The Philly Ooh. fan, like Filthy, he's in my chat. He's a really cool dude. Uh, very respect uh, respectful. Um, so, if he's coming in here he's coming in here for intel and intel only like they (laughs) he must have a direct connection to the eagles but no they they all are cool timothy's just a little pain in the ass because he's gonna if i go into another fan bases chat it's going to be 49 of this 49 of that so i expect it from them as well as long as they're respectful it's all good man
2: yeah as long as they're respectful it's it's totally fine i i you know i did a a, i think a uh preview video of the Eagles and about half the fans in there are my review after the Eagles game, every Philly fan that came and watched that and commented, they were respectful. They were good. Most I got one of, my, one of my, one of my good friends. He's a Philly fan. Uh, we text, you know, we didn't text that day for obvious reasons. Uh, but you know, we're great. It's, uh, it's some of the, the crazy ones on social media. They, the get, they get the ones that go there. to the
1: games. That's the, those are the yeah. ones you got to watch out for. If they live in Philly, those are the ones you got to watch out for. I'll never attend a game there again, ever. I don't want to go to jail. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. I don't want to you fight know, a uh,
1: grandma either because I got close it, to uh, and And
2: we've heard from different players, you know, who, who've who been there, not just 49ers players who said that they won't take their wives to, to games in Philadelphia anymore. Uh, Michael Pickle here says, oh, happy holidays. Gentlemen, we got this, Niner Nation. Keep your heads up. Playoff mode loading. How do you guys That's feel easy. going into playoffs? Let's, uh, let's, a- let's wrap it one. on this
1: one, so. I'm sorry I cut you off Wayne my bad no I feel great I feel like we're exactly where we need to be we got checked a little bit which I don't mind you got to reset how did the 49ers reset after the three game loss they went on a six game tear you go on a six game tear right now you win the damn Super Bowl number six I feel just fine with where we are we're in the perfect position we're in the best position in the entire NFL even better position than the Ravens are if you look at playoff seedings and the chances to get number one, we have the best opportunity in front of us in the entire NFL. Is everything perfect? No. But I love where we are.
3: I agree with John. Uh, not worried one bit. Um, I You can you can factor in injuries. You can factor in bad play, missed calls, whatever. I think the Niners are right where they need to be. Uh, I think they've been humbled uh, all season long with some of these losses. And it's funny how they chose to lose to these AFC teams. That's why I think they got something special for any AFC team that they feel like they're going to face uh, in, the, in the Super Bowl. Not in the Super Bowl, all the way. Easy for me. Playoffs. Let's go.
2: I'm feeling great about where the team is. Get that number one seed. Get some some needed rest, you know, because we, we have a chance with that number one seed to go into the division round of the playoffs as maybe the healthiest team in football. When you start looking at some of the the teams and the ma- major injuries they've had, uh, the 49ers have a chance to be the healthiest team in football, which when was the last time we said that? I think the last time was 2012. And what happened in 2012? We went to the Super Bowl. So I feel great about where we are lock up that number one seed, get you some extra rest, get these guys really healthy, and just roll through, roll into the Super Bowl. I mean, that's what it needs to be. Roll through the playoffs, get there. So, uh, John, I'm going to have you go first on this one, your score prediction for the game, and then Wayne, your score prediction for the game, and take us out of here.
1: I'm going, it's going to be a little more defensive than we thought. I'm going 27-11, to 11, a weird score. 27-11, 49ers, um, right to ship. We're a better team.
3: I'm going 34-10. It's a 30-purdy game, baby. Easy.
2: All right. Uh, I'm going 31, uh, 31-13. I, I think I see Washington getting three scores in the game. I don't see them score more than one touchdown. Uh, and I, I think you're right, you're right. This is gonna be a 30 perty. Um, they don't have much of a pass rush. They're they're strong up the middle, but I think this is gonna be a game you see crack toss a lot. You're gonna see uh it's Christian McCaffrey running down the sideline. Brandon Ayuk leading so, out man. there. Please um, run the I, ball. I, I think you're going to see Ayuk get hit on a couple of those big over routes. Debo Samuel on some screen passes, and it's going to be lights out for the Commanders. So, uh, thank you guys so much for joining me today and having this. This is so much fun. It's always great to talk to you guys, John. Real quick, where can
1: people find you? Rob, uh, 49ers Rush. Whatever social media, whatever. Just type in 49ers Rush. We should pull up. Uh, enjoy our podcast. And uh, I get a record with Wayne all the time. But, man, Johnny, we need to do this more often, man. I really appreciate it. I agree. Yeah, this is so much fun. Wayne, where can people find you?
3: At the Wayne Breezy everywhere. You might even see me on a billboard soon. So, yeah, the Wayne Breezy one of your best 49er content creators, man. I let I the just like to talk about this team. Capital T. It's That's yeah, that's not
2: even that's not even ego. That's just a fact. I mean, that, that's like saying that water is wet. So uh <laughs> thank you guys wet. so much for being <laughs> so thank you so much for being here. Uh and as always, stay safe, stay healthy, and go niners.
1: When your money's on the line, choose a trusted sportsbook that gives you tools to win like my bookie. And my bookie doesn't matter if your team's up or down, you can easily cash out or bet the game live to come out on the winning side. Use my bookie for daily odds boost, same game parlays, I like teasers, and take advantage of the huge prize pool contest. Plus, my bookie currently has a no strings attached cash bonus that lets you deposit, withdraw quick carries a one time rollover can't find that anywhere else just use promo code 49ers 49ers or scan the QR code on this video right next to my face here to claim your own cash deposit bonus now that's promo code 49ers so try my money uh, money bag uh, you basically roll the dice and it picks a team and gives you extraordinary extraordinary odds on who's going to win the Super Bowl. Um, Lots of fun options there, so bet anything, anytime, anywhere, and I do mean anywhere, wherever you are, you can bet with my bookie. Just make sure you use the promo code 49ERS, and let's go. Let's make some money together.